Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Amen, amen. Yes, so we're in this series on the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're here last week... uh, Sorry, if you have, weren't here, we'll get the podcast up. We're having a few difficulties getting that up. But I, I, I got a lot out of last week. If no one else did, I was glad that I came last week because I got a lot out of that. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, and we're doing it on purpose. We're looking at in Galatians, if you've got your Bibles, chapter 5. And we're, we're doing that because in the, uh, this series on the Holy Spirit, as I think I said right from the beginning, would be a little bit different from your normal series on the Holy Spirit. And we're actually looking at the fruit because who knows that fruit is really important. And who knows that maturing in Christ in, with fruit is uh, as important as maturing in gifting. In fact, I would say it's more important. We talked last week about the fact that your gift may get you in a room, your charisma may get you into something, but it's your character that will keep you there. It's your character that you're taking with you to heaven, by the way, not your gifts. And so it's who we are becoming, and I like to think that who am I becoming? Am I becoming more like Christ in 2023? Uh, That is the real question more than am I doing more for Christ? It's really the question is who am I becoming? And we're that kind of church here that we, we are really interested in who we are becoming in Christ. And so Galatians chapter 5, we learnt that every day, here's the interesting thing about the fruit, every day, Every morning you open your eyes, you every day presents you opportunities and circumstances where you can either manifest your flesh or your fruit. So the awesome news is you've got training 24-7. God is always using everything in our lives. You can think about what's going on in your life right now and you can look at yourself and go, am I responding with my flesh or am I responding with my, and when I say flesh, old sinful nature or am I responding with the fruit of the Spirit? And it says in uh, Galatians 5 verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we notice that we overcome the flesh not by saying no to it all the time and focusing on don't sin, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. It's not about don't, don't, don't. It's simply about falling in love with Jesus and getting on board with all the do's. There are so many do's in the Bible. Don't worry about the don'ts. Just focus on the do's and you won't do the don'ts. So he says, walk by the Spirit. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and we went through all this list last week. And what a, um, what a, notice it says the works in another translation, the works of the flesh, because it's an act, a work, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I really love that thought that, you know, we want to inherit all that God's kingdom has for us, not just in eternity, but now on earth. And there is kingdom inheritance upon your life that your flesh will hinder you from. So when we give in and yield to our old sinful nature, we don't inherit what God's kingdom would have for us in that moment, in that season. And to me, that is one of the greatest motivations to walk by the Spirit is to fall in love with God's will for your life, yeah? That God has a purpose for your life. And when we yield to the, to the Spirit, we ex- discover what that is. And, and that's what it says uh, in verse 22. So I, I, I repeat all this to recap not just 
for the sake of it, so that you see the contrast in verse 22. He's contrasting. So this is what your sinful nature desires, but, the word but, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Notice the fruit is, not the fruits are. So we're going to get into this today. Love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, the law came to restrict. The law came to give boundaries. The law came to say no further with this. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, man, it is like in abundance. There's no law against how much you can love, by the way. You're not going to outdo it with patience. There's no law against that. When you're uh, walking in the Spirit and manifesting the fruits of the Spirit, man, there's no law in town that's going to stop you. You are just free to live for Jesus. And it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The development of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and, and, and the manifesting of it is so important to us becoming all that God wants us to be as a church, as you individually. And I get excited. I get more excited about the fruit than the gifts. Now, there are nine parts of the fruit listed and there are nine gifts mentioned. And I'm sure there are more gifts than that. But we just notice that God is making a statement in my church. I want balance. I want balance. It's not just all about gifting. And, and you can't be also be a person who says, oh, I'm just all about the fruit, man. I say, I'm, I've got a good character. No, you need the gifts and you need the fruit. And the gifts flow best with a foundation of fruit. When gifts flow through love, they are more effective. Because who knows, there's nothing more horrible than a rude Christian, than a gifted, immature Christian. And so we want to grow up in all things, yeah? We want to grow up in the maturity of God's fruit. We want to grow up in the gifting and we don't want to quench or um, grieve any of it. Let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of fruit? Normal fruit, natural fruit. If I had an apple up here today, what is the purpose of the apple? Amen. Beth got it. Yeah, to nourish. But essentially just to eat it. The purpose of fruit is to be eaten. And so I think when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, I think we can sometimes need to unlearn what religion has taught us, that you've got to work harder and you've got to develop it and you've got to grow. No, the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit is if you will just eat it, if you will feast on God's love, you will be love. If you feast on God's patience, you will be patient. If you feast on God's kindness, you will be kind. When the fruit gets into you and you digest it, you get it inside of you, you will be it without trying. Again, I do believe that there is a part we play because Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And so all the power to bear fruit comes from Christ, of course, and we are a branch. But we need the part we play, as said, we yield to the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see this morning that that sometimes is feeling hard because at the time you're, it feels like you're crucifying your flesh to say yes to the Holy Spirit. It can feel like that. But what you're actually doing is coming in agreement that your flesh has already been crucified because Jesus did it at the cross. And it's done. It's in past tense. It has, you ha it has been already accomplished. So you don't fight for victory in this. You fight from victory. You are in a position of victory. You have the Holy Spirit in you. So I just want to encourage you. We eat the fruit. And as we eat it, 
ourselves, we others get to taste and see that the Lord is good. So as we do it, so the fruit essentially is not really for us, these things, love, joy. It is actually for the welfare and the betterment of other people. And in that, we see the kingdom of God. Are you with me this morning? Got a few boys away on a men's trip this morning, so I'm missing a few amens from Tim, aren't I? But that's okay. I don't care if no one amens me. I'll preach to myself this morning. My, one of my, my granddad said, a good preacher, he'll preach to walls. He's not moved by how many people are there, mate. He'll preach to himself because I'm just happy with me and the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's good. So let's get into it. We're going to go through, because the, the, the thing about the fruit of the Spirit is it is summed up as uh, the character of Christ. This is who God is. You want to know what God's like? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to start with love, and we'll see if we even get to peace this morning. We'll see how we go, but I'm hoping to get through love, joy, and peace. that sound good? And wouldn't that be a great thing this week if your week was defined by love, joy, and peace? That would be great. So here we go. Love. In fact, all the fruit could be summed up as love. Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of these are really how love shows up in our lives. Who knows that love is God's nature uh, and it is also becomes our new nature. An apple tree produces apples. People that are led by the Holy Spirit naturally produce love. And uh, I'm going to read something and then get into it. 1 John 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. See, where does love come from? From God. And whoever loves has been born of God. That's not like whoever loves the eagles or loves your dog. Or lo- this, is, this, is, this is different. Whoever, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. It's a God kind of love I'm talking about. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, here it is, God has love. Doesn't say that, does it? God is love. It says it's the very essence of who He is. It's not something He has. He is it. God, one of the most powerful verses, God is love. In this, the love of God, this kind of love, made manifest, was made manifest amongst us. And that God, here it is. So this is, this, is, this is love. Are you ready? That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Here we go. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. How do you say that? I'll just get you guys to help me. For our sins. I went to MDHS, okay? Muckamoon District High School. Give me a break. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This here, I love this thing in 1 John. This is showing us what love is, where it comes from, and what it should do to our lives. And in the Bible, there is different words in the Greek to describe love. There's one word, eros, which is where we get erotic from, which is a kind of uh, passionate, sexual, intimate love. There is phileo where we get um, the city of like Philadelphia is known as the place of brotherly love. So that phileo is like a friendship, brotherly love. But there's another word that describes love, which is what we're talking about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which is, if you know it, 
Agape, yeah. Agape is this kind of love that John's talking about. It's not a love where I love, you know, like I just, uh, we say love, we say love. No, agape love is a love that seeks so much for the betterment of someone else, I'm willing to do something that costs me to make them better. That's agape love. It's self-sacrificing love. It's the God kind of love. And the difference between agape love is it doesn't rely on feelings. It has feelings. There's emotion in agape love. But you've got to catch this. Real love, when you really love, is not dependent on feelings. It's dependent on choice. And the choice is not man-made, it's spirit-motivated. Catch that. It's not a man-made choice, but you need to make it, but it's spirit-motivated. Because on the inside of you is the love of God. And some of you are like, man, that's the love inside of me. haven't really been showing much fruit this week. (laughs) It's getting quiet in here, isn't it? But that's the kind of love that you can draw from. That's the kind of love that God's placed in you, a self-sacrificing kind of love that is not uh, reliant on feelings. Who knows that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating drops of blood, he did not feel like going to the cross. He wasn't feeling it, man. He was not, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just not feeling it today. He, and what he did was he went to the cross, even when he didn't feel it, even the Son of God allowed that flesh part of him, the humanity, to be crucified so he could operate in the fruit of the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, not my will, but your will be done. And he showed us the greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Now, I'm encouraging you this morning. That is the love that has been deposited into you in your spirit. It's not in your soul, it's not in your flesh, but it is in your spirit. And the more you renew your mind, your soul, the more you renew your mind to this love, the more it will be manifest and you will show Jesus to the world around you. Isn't that good news? We will show him. You know, the church, if they did a survey and said, what is the church known for? I'm sure you all know and all agree in so many stories. The word that the world would often say is judgment. Oh yeah, they're just judgy. And I'm, I don't know about you, but let's change the reputation. I believe we're changing it in Jesus' name, that we are known by love. They're the people that love me even before I did anything, even before I, 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 um, I, I could shape up. It's not about that. Because who knows that, I think it's on the next slide. I love this verse. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates or shows, demonstrates that word of life. God demonstrates his love toward us, that, how does he do it? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God does not wait for people to get it all together. And if he is, he's still waiting for me. And he's still waiting for you. Because <laughs> it's never going to happen until I see him face to face, yeah? And so God is never waiting for people. And he says, could you, could you be my church I've got some fruit on the inside of you that I want to manifest. I want it to come out and I want, I want it to be a supernatural kind of fruit where you actually love people with my kind of love where they're at, in what they're at, wherever they're at. You know, the way love is manifest, and you might go, well, and I want to encourage you in this series, don't think of it like, oh, well, I'm good at love, I'm not so good at patience, 
you know, I'm working on. Don't think of it like that. All the fruit is in you, wrapped in love on the inside of you and wants to be released. It's not, you don't work, you know, it's all together. You don't say, oh, well, I'm not this. I'm not. No, this is your new DNA. This is who you are. This is your new nature. You are love. You are joy. You are peace. This is actually how God identifies you. And so there's no excuses for Christians because it's all in there. And as we draw it out, here's the bad news, is you don't manifest love with people you love. The way the fruit really grows and flows is when you yield to the Holy Spirit and manifest love when you don't feel like it with the person who is known as your sandpaper person. We all have a sand, thank you, thank you, Caden. We all have a sandpaper person. Would anyone like to shout out their name? Don't look to, look to the left or the right right now. This is not a good time to look at your spouse. But there is a sandpaper person in your life who rubs you up the wrong way. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to stop praying for that person to get out of your life because God's like, I've got them for a purpose. It's to refine you, to show love, to manifest my fruit. And if you can only walk in love with people you love, you're not walking in love. That's the truth. Anyone can do that. But what about people? Jesus says, this is the kind of love I want you to show your enemies. People that are completely not in agreement with you. I want you to show this self-sacrificing agape love. And here's the good news. And you don't have to do it on your own. I've actually put it on the inside of you. You can release it. So when I'm in a situation and I'm praying in my, under my breath, in my heart, and it's, a, and, and it's a sandpaper person, I won't mention names, and I'm just like, Lord, I'm going to rely on your love in me this morning, today. I'm going to speak out of that. And do I get it right all the time? Ask I. <laughs> No, but you know what? That's the power that is within us to be able to yield to love. And as you do, there's a kingdom inheritance there. There's an inheritance. That person's like, wow, we. Um, the whole fruit of the Spirit is really love. And I'm going to prove it to you in a powerful chapter that is dedicated. Are you ready to go there? Powerful chapter that was read at our wedding, in fact. Remember that, guy? Best day of your life? <laughs> Seeing if you're paying attention. Read at our wedding, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this. And I'm not even going to start there. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you're sorry if you're new with us or not familiar with the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter on love. And it is sandwiched between chapters on gifts. So 12 is about gifts of the Spirit, gifts in the church. 14 is about gifts of the Spirit, really about tongues and prophecy. And right smack bang in the middle, when Paul is writing a letter to correct a church who are actually acting quite immature and to bring some correction, right in between the gifts, it's not that he doesn't want the gifts, it's not that he doesn't want you to desire the gifts and operate in the gifts, he does. But smack bang in the middle of those three chapters is this chapter on love. Are you ready? This is so good. This is better than a wedding day. Come on, here we go. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, the last one, the last verse. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So let's be clear. Paul says, eagerly desire gifts. What are the greater gifts? We'll do another sermon on that, but I just would like to say they're, they're the gift you need at the time, really. <laughs> the gift I need right now. Lord, I need that word of knowledge. I need that word of wisdom. Lord, I need that. I need healing. I need that to manifest right now. That's the best gift for me is the gift I need right now. But he says, desire them, covet them, go after them. You should be someone that's hungry for gifts. But then he says this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. 
the most excellent way. And then he says this, verse 1 of 13, If you speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, sorry, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Um, side note for another sermon, it says the tongues, speak in the tongues of men or the tongues of angels. Who would like a sermon on speaking in tongues eventually? A few people. It can be quite divisive, can't it? It can be quite weird. I remember when I, you know, I first started looking into it. But it's actually, it's actually, this is going to be a safe place. I said last week, I hope we're the kind of church that's mature enough to speak about the gifts without causing division. Yeah, as long as you all agree with me, we're happy. I mean, I could agree with you, but what's the point in all of us being wrong? No, I don't claim to have it all, to know it all with the gifts and all that, but I do pray in tongues and I love praying in tongues as 1 Corinthians 14 talks about and it talks about the edification uh, of oneself and what that does because I'm part of the body. This, the gifts are for the body. I'm starting to get into that sermon. But there is also a gift of tongues that is actually for the public edification that should be interpreted in a church service. And there are people probably in this room that may actually have that gift. When we were in Bansdale, we uh, at a, a Pastor Phil who came and spoke last night at his church. Very regularly, and when I say regularly, probably once every uh, month to two months, someone would get up from the front uh, from the, from and speak in a tongue. And I had no idea what they were saying, and then there would be someone would interpret. And it, man, it was powerful. Man, it would just bring a powerful thing. Again, that's a gifting, and. And, and we want to be the kind of people that are flowing in the gifts. But man, let's have the fruit as our foundation. You do that sort of stuff in love. You do that sort of stuff with the fruit manifesting in your life. Amen? Side note, anyway. Tongues of men, tongues of men could be on the day of Pentecost as they were speaking in tongues that people knew. The dialect of actually on the day, human languages. And they did know, not, not know what they were saying on the day of Pentecost. So much so, people thought they were drunk. So if you ever think something weird's going on and people are getting a bit weird in church and they look like they're drunk, we'll just go back to the day of Pentecost. But not saying that that's going to happen. But I'm just saying the Holy Spirit does sometimes uh, manifest in ways that are unusual. Never without self-control though, by the way. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And He gives you that when He's in control. Oh, I don't know what sermon I'm preaching now. I'm like going all over the place. And the tongues of angels, which could be in 1 Corinthians 14, which talks about that. Uh, it, it talks about the, the, the uh, heavenly language, as some people use. Anyway, we're going to go there, but it's, 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 again, it's not something we're focused on here at Kalamunda. It's not a primary thing. Gifts are important, but we want to keep the main thing the main thing. But at the same time, we don't want to quench or squash the Holy Spirit. So you'll never see that gifts become, it's the main thing, and you'll never hear a sermon that says, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian, because that's of the devil. That is not true. I know people who can speak in tongues and live like the devil. It's true. I know them. I know them. And, and, and it's, so it's not a sign of spiritual maturity, but it is powerful and it is something to desire. Was that good? I enjoyed it. Um, it says, you, but if you, you don't have love, you're a clanging symbol. Verse 2. Well, I don't think we're only going to get through love today. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy, sorry, if I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Catch that. Like, I can do all this stuff. Imagine that. Imagine that kind of faith. But without love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, 
and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Imagine that. You come and say, man, I sold my house and I did everything and I gave it to the kingdom and I gave it to missionaries and God's like, that's great, but you didn't do it in love. Love is the most excellent way. It's the most important thing. And then it tells you, this is the definition of love and you'll see all nine expressions from Galatians in what I'm about to read. Here it goes. Love is patient, fruit of the Spirit. Love is kind, fruit of the Spirit. Love does not envy. What's the reverse of that? A fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Love does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. That's so powerful. True love is never wanting to dishonor somebody. Uh, It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Help me, Jesus. Come on. Like, I need his love. That's not easily angered. Doesn't just, just get angry in this frustration. Doesn't happen easily. True love. This is God, by the way. It keeps no record of wrongs. I just want to stop there for a minute. I don't believe in forgive and forget. I do believe in forgive and remember. And, but if the remembering causes bitterness, it's not healthy. And we learn, but if your forgiveness is truly godly, if you've truly forgiven, and there's a healing, and there's a healing, and there's a scar, but who knows, eventually, I've got some scars, by the way. I remember one day I was shearing, and I was uh, crutching these sheep, and I'll never forget it. I was, it wasn't very immature, and I had this really sharp piece of equipment on, and I tightened the tension nut down, and sort of called really hard, and I was like just, and it suddenly just went bang. And this thing, what they call is a lock-up, and it locked up within two seconds. I looked up, and my, uh, sorry, but my arm was like open. I could see like my bone, and I'm like then going black and white, and this is what I did, because I'm not good with pain. I started running around the shearing shed, (laughs) and the wool classer is chasing me. Brad, there's blood everywhere, and they're like, stop! (laughs) True story. And uh, my my uncle got me into a car, and I'm like, I'm blacking out, going in and out. It was not good. And anyway, uh, the reason I tell the story is this was the first time and the only time I think ever on record in a small town of Muckenboodin with less than 400 people in the town, he overtook another car (laughs) to get me to the ambulance. I thought I was panicking. He tells this, he told this, got up and told the story at the wedding because he's at the, my wedding, he was the MC. And my uncle, he said, he said, oh no, that day, Brad said to me, Uncle Gary, am I going to die? Because I can't remember saying it. And he looked back and he said to me, yes, <laughs> but very slowly. <laughs> True story. I'm just trying to remember why I said that. Yes, I've got this scar here from that day and I can press on that really hard I can, and there's no pain, there's no hurt, it does not come up, I can press on it, I can show you it and, I'm, and, I, and I can talk about it with humour. See, that's how it is when we truly keep no record of wrongs, yes, there's forgiveness and all that kind of thing, but it is not holding us in that prison of unforgiveness, yeah? So we keep, love does that, that's the kind of love on the inside of you that can enable you to live with that kind of freedom. Uh, Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That's so good. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. 
That is the God kind of love, and that is the kind of love that the fruit of the Spirit is all in there, and that is your weapon and my weapon against selfishness and against me being the king of my life. It is manifesting that love to others. So my encouragement to you this morning is, hey, who is that sandpaper person that God is saying, at work, bring love, show your fruit. You know, the Bible says they shall be known not by their great gifts, but you shall be known by your fruit. This week in the family, maybe you're married to the sandpaper person. I hope not. But it got very quiet when I said it. And show love. But we all go through times where we're like, man, I'm not manifesting love. I heard a story about a, a, a man and he was really convicted by the Holy Spirit. Apparently it's a true story. Really convicted that he was really not operating, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, so much so that he just, he made a vow to God and he said, God, by your help, I want to be a better husband. I'm so easily angered and the way I speak to my wife, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. And so he made this vow. And he started to, he said, for, for, for the next few weeks, I'm going to, we're going away on this trip and I'm just going to manifest love. And so he did. So they were getting ready to go on the trip and she took a really long time that she normally takes to get ready. And he's like tempted to get angry. and say, He's like, no, I'm just going to manifest love. Love is patient. So I'm going to be patient on this. And he goes through a whole another series of events and they get, get to the trip having a fantastic time. But his wife is like really starting to freak out because he's actually really operating in love. And it uh, gets to, towards the end of the trip, and the wife said, uh, said to the man, she said, look, is something wrong? And he said, why? He said, well, you know the doctor's appointment we went to, uh, that I went and I had that checkup and stuff, and I said, did, did I miss something? Am, am I like, am I going to die or something? <laughs> she says, you've treated me so well for this trip. You've been so gracious and so loving, and it's just really impacting me. I, I'm wondering if I'm going to die. <laughs> True story, the man looked back and said, no, honey. I've actually just started to live. I thought, how cool is that? True life comes from not fruit that is getting rotten, not fruit that's getting old, not fruit that's getting stale, but by manifesting fresh fruit. Fresh fruit. There's nothing better than biting into an organic apple. They're so different from the other apples. I love organic apples. They, just, they crunch and it's just like, oh, so beautiful. I'm going to have an apple after church. <laughs> you know, Jesus really showed us what this kind of love is like, self-sacrificing, giving up of others. If you say that you're manifesting the fruit of love and it costs you nothing, you're not. And will be opportunities to all around us to do this kind of thing. And really what it does is it presents the character of Christ to a world that needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? See that he is good. When Jesus in John 13, a powerful chapter, Jesus was washing, he got up and he started to wash his disciples' feet no one else thought to do that and who would think that the king of kings the lord of lords would get up get a towel and get the water and a bucket or whatever and who knows where the disciple had been probably through the chook pen or wherever they walked and he just said i'm just going to wash your feet and see that's self-sacrificing love that he was showing that this is not no i'm not just going to wash your feet i'm going to go to the cross and i'm going to i'm going to love you in such a way i don't care how dirty you get i don't care how messed up you get i don't care how hard life what life throws at you i'm just going to keep pouring love onto you god loves you this morning should we go to joy all right, we'll go there quickly. We'll go there quickly. We'll go to, he says love, and then he says also inside you is joy. Psalm 100 and verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with sadness. Amen. Yeah. 
No, it says we'd serve the Lord with gladness. Every day we wake up, we could be happy, we, uh, we could be glad, you can be sad, or you can choose to be mad. But God says it is a choice. Serve the Lord with gladness. It is a command to do that. And with every command that God gives you in the Bible, by the way, comes the grace to perform the command. Jesus does not ask you to do anything that he does not give you the grace, which I'm, what I mean by that is the ability and power from heaven to do it. He graces you for things. When he commands you to love, which he does, when he commands you to serve him with joy, he gives you a spirit of joy on the inside of you. See, happiness is based on what's happening around you. Joy is based on what God has done in you and is doing for you right now even. Joy is an internal thing. And the way that I cultivate joy in my life, if I can share with you, is a few things. Number one, the salvation factor. We choose to be joyful because we're saved. That, that alone should be enough to have a party. <laughs> it really should. Uh, Psalm says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Notice that David said, your salvation. I am so joyful about what you have done. I'm so joyful that, I'm not, that I've, I've got eternity to look forward to. I can have joy, as we, even as we prayed this morning, someone on their deathbed can have joy because they are saved. Because eternity is like really long. And earth is like, and our time on here is really short. So don't waste it with worry. Be filled with the fruit of joy, yeah? So eat joy. What, how do you eat joy? By meditating and remembering your salvation. Remembering you're not on, your, you're not on a highway to hell, praise the Lord. You're on a highway to heaven. And you've got that to look forward to. We've got a salvation factor. Also, I get joyful for the presence factor. It says in Psalm 16 and 11 that in his presence is fullness of joy. I love that because what that tells me is when God put his spirit inside me, he, he, he put a comedian in there. Sort of, not exactly, but you know, get where I'm coming from. The spirit on the inside of you is not mad, is not sad, is not in a bad mood. He's joyful and it wants to give you strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So strong Christians eat joy, release joy to a world that needs joy. Don't you think the world needs joy right now? Man. When they look at your life and you're manifesting joy and they're just like, man, taste and see. Look at the fruit. How, how can he be joyful? How can someone be joyful with what they're going through? Well, because it's not in my situation. It's in my salvation. And it's in the presence of God with me. And also we can be joyful with the Word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said that the Word brought him joy. Your words were found and I ate them. Catch that. I love that. I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Catch that. God's word brings joy. Does it bring other things? For sure. Conviction. Does it bring repentance? Does it bring mourning to go, man, I for sure. But essentially what God's word does is it rejoices your heart and specifically a rhema word from God. A rhema is not just the logos word that's written in the Bible. A rhema word is when God speaks to you and quickens something in your spirit that he wanted to tell you. And that brings so much joy. Because one rhema, when God says that thing to you that you needed at that time, can change a life. It can change a business. It can change a marriage. It can change a family. One word from God can change everything. And it's that joy that you get from the word of God. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up because I just am going to save some of this for next week, but I feel led to start bringing it into a close. Um, because, you know, you can't eat all the fruit at once. I don't want to give you indigestion this morning. 
I don't want you to have a sore tummy this afternoon. In fact, I really felt the Holy Spirit this morning was really on that word of love. Really on that word of love. We could get into peace and that sort of thing, but we're not going to. I'm going to encourage us this morning that fruit, how fruity are you? (laughs) You could say it that way. But it really is manifesting Jesus to the world around you. And I pray and believe that this week, those who are under the sound of my voice or listen to the podcast later, that you will get opportunities and the Holy Spirit's going to quicken to you to go, choose love. Choose love. Love isn't being a doormat. Love isn't lying down and taking it. Love is strong. Love is patient. Love is kind. And all those things that I said that are all a sermon in themselves. Does that make sense? Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a blessing over us this morning. If you're comfortable to stand and close your eyes. What I'm going to pray, Father, as I come to you, I feel led to pray for a foot washing experience. Would you give us eyes to see the feet that we are called to wash? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. The eyes to see the feet that we are called to wash. And what I'm saying today, what it looks like for you to operate and manifest love this week. Father, give us the eyes to see it first. Father, give us the choice, the will. Give us the power, Holy Spirit, to say yes to you. And give us the will and the hands to perform it, Lord. Whatever that looks like in our worlds, Father, I just believe that you are calling us to manifest the fruit. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your character that is in us. And would we now yield to that? Yield to the Holy Spirit, the character in you. Yield to love. Yield to joy. Holy Spirit, I just pray this over Calamunda Church. I pray this over every person here. Maybe people here that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know that, man, they are so loved. If you don't know Jesus this morning, it's his agape, dying, self-sacrificial love that went to the cross and paid, your, paid the price of your sin. And now we, his church, are blessed with the opportunity to manifest that to the world around us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, team.